0: Well, welcome to uh, episode four of a Voice, which is the voice of the international community experience here in Perth. Um, today, we have a special guest. He's special to me because he is the maker of dreams. We'll get into that a little bit further. Gomez is here with me today as well, as usual. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll pass you on to him.
1: Hey, what's up? Hey, people? <laughs> Bit of a rocky start today. Yeah, it has a yeah, little bit rocky. Yeah, but hey, like, I, I was like, I was like, <laughs> yeah, so good. Um,
0: well, I think we'll cover that at some point. The uh, the African lateness thing. Well, we have to. Yeah, because yeah. It's, it it all comes into the migrant experience. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. <good laughs> and song. what what the Aussies experience, and yes. what it means to an Australian if uh, if if somebody's late, but. You know, yeah. So Rob might help us with that a little bit later in the uh, in the chat. That'd be good. But uh, I, I don't know Rob, so
1: this would be a great opportunity to get to know you, Rob. Yeah. And uh, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, uh, great to be here, Daniel. Thanks for the big wrap welcome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's my pleasure. Yeah. yeah. I know we're going to have an interesting chat. Yeah, I
0: think so. So uh, from last week, we uh, this is a follow on from last week and as I had a chat with Rob before, is that uh, last week we spoke We spoke about our identity and how we became who we are, who we think we are right now and why we do what we do here in, in Perth. So Gome and I have uh, a different charted path to get here uh, but and we have experienced Perth very differently. So I give my opinion and my expression, and he does the same, which uh, counteracts uh, basically some of the things that that I do and think. so today we have you on the show, Rob, so that you can uh, give us an idea of what what you what the Australian experiences from the migrant community once we come in and what you what you see um, when we do what we do. Uh, I hope you can give us a, a great perspective on that, which I think you do, because you, you've interacted with a lot of migrants. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I mean,
2: this is a migrant country, and we've just had Australia Day. Uh, it's a migrant nation. Yeah, uh, yeah. A First Nation as uh, people, and everyone else is a migrant or descended a migrant. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm fifth generation, but actually most of the people I meet... Uh, including uh, the guys I'm talking to today, they're closer to the average Perth person than I am. Yeah. uh, Because so many of them are first and second generation migrants.
0: Brilliant. So, I mean, I guess we can uh, kick in with our first sort of question for Rob. Um, uh, We can start with uh, being late, right? So, which is sometimes... I know from from Zambia, if somebody says, I'll be there at 2, they'll turn up, if you're lucky, by (laughs) 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 4.30. If you're lucky. And various times you can have a conversation with them uh, and say, where are you? And they're like, I'm just around the corner. And that's at 3.15. So turn up at 4.30, it took them an hour and 15. Now, it's standard practice over there. You have to say something starts early for people to turn up on time. Uh, but when you come here, that, that means something different if you turn up late to a meeting. Uh, so,
2: what does that mean to, in, in yeah. an Australian context? Well, I mean, I grew up a far more right? So, yeah. we, you know, so we worked uh, long. My father was up early, you, know, yeah. you got going. And then, even when I started my career, I mean, you got going to avoid the sun. And, but there was a timetable, right? Everyone yeah. had a timetable. Uh, And you worked to it and it was a bit of a, just a regimented thing. It was a respectful thing. That's what you were taught. You know, you turned up to class, you know, the Christian brothers educated me. You turned up to class on time, primary school, caught the bus. If you weren't there for the bus, the bus wasn't waiting for you. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it was just really part of your training. Um, I guess I've always been a fairly driven guy. So trying to fit too much in often running late. Uh, beautiful sister of Nazareth, who was the principal of the primary school where my children went, uh, she used to say to me, Rob, you know, in South American culture, there's no word for late. Said, no. Amen <laughs> to that. Yeah, no, no. Thank you, sister. But, but I was talking 10 minutes, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and rushing in. But, but mm-hmm. in my career, I was a career public servant, you yeah. know, it became very clear uh to me and i was often late you know i thought i could fit some more in i was the most important guy or whatever yeah that that if you were late you were really showing disrespect for the other people who were on time that's Uh, true and 20 odd years ago i worked for a minister Mm of agriculture he was always early like he was 10 minutes plus yeah i'd be 10 minutes minus that was that wasn't gonna work so i was always on time when i was working with him so you know, you just got into that regime, but, you know, since then, you know, I've been to a Sudanese wrestling competition, you know, it's a, yep. like, oh, wow. a bit like, Oh, wow. A bit like positive football without the ball. Yeah. For me, right? uh, but, a you know, so what time should we get there? Oh, yeah, you know, it'll start at, you know, 1.30. Well, really? So what time should we get there? Well, if you're there, by well, 2.30, we'll have to leave at 3.00. We'll will that be good? Yeah, fine. But. We left at three, and, and it hadn't started. Yeah, uh, and the Sudanese local people—they were just starting to arrive, so the, it was very clear to me. The women knew what time they should arrive. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I don't know what time the competition got going, but it was after we left. Uh, so you didn't you even know. get to have a. <laughs> no, but you know we had some lovely chats to, to some Sudanese people. It was yeah. really brilliant, and I know you know others, you know, African functions, Nigerians or whatever. You know, so well, what time's this thing started? Well, it's saying three o'clock. Really. You know, a ball is going to start at 3 o'clock. Well, it's what it's listed for. (laughs) Yeah, African African time. People will probably start arriving about 6. Like, this is really curious for me, right? Yes. When something's going to start, you know, and it will often be a dinner party or something like that. It will be 7 for 7.30. Yes, yes, yes. Like, people are sitting down at 7.30.
0: Now, I think, yeah, I think we're in a community here where everything's timed. And even if you go into a function... And you have a babysitter. You've got them for a a specific amount of time. You get paid here per hour. So every little bit of time counts. Um, So the difference is over there you get paid per month, right? So the number of hours you clock in a workplace is not that important. Well, the last time I went, I I figured that was. But they also don't have time pressures for a lot of things. Mm. They have relatives or, or maids in the house that can look after kids. So, and they, so everything is more kind of laid back. They've got a lot more time to play with. It doesn't help for, for meetings and, and functions because it's now part of the, the culture.
1: I is. guess the, the interesting question, though, would be, from an identity perspective, how yeah. much do you link that to Africans? How much do you go, they're just part of their identities that they're always going to be light versus seeing it as just a trait that's not necessarily linked to who they are
2: well personally I, it doesn't bother me right because <clears> i mean i've learned a lot a lot from migrants i've done a lot of apart from my career in agriculture i've done a lot of travel I've been very fortunate in that. a lot of trade related travel I've been in a lot of different cultures i've worked with a lot of diaspora people here on trade and education and now i'm into quite a lot of uh, skilled migrants so what I've learned, of course, is you've got no idea what's going on in someone else's Mm. life. Yeah. Uh, Mm. Now, if you know they're in their office down the corridor and they're 10 or 15 minutes late, well, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. But if they turn up, you know, three-quarters of an hour late for something, you've got no idea what's going on in their life. Mm. Uh, Mm. And even if you talk to them, you're probably not going to find out. Yeah. So I don't stress about that. You know, you've got to work with what you've got. The constraints. Uh, And are they being disrespectful? Well, Mm. I mean, the chances of that, anyone being late because they've been disrespectful i think is very minimal so just go with what you've got mm-hmm. yeah
0: i think go. rob you're 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 giving them a benefit of the doubt here which is <laughs> i oh, mean we're, we're living in the in, a, in this environment here we're living in a in a in a timed society the yeah. train's timed the bus is timed the you know you can gps anything to say how how how, how much how long it'll take for you to get there so there's really no excuse in this place to not be able to tell somebody that I'll be 15 minutes late or I'll be half an hour late um, because that will give that person time to do something else before you arrive uh, for them to to yeah, sit in a cafe exactly. waiting for you for, for an hour and a half and not hear from you. I mean, yeah. I've done that before. Now, I'm not saying that I came here and I wasn't in that mode. I did that and I've made mortal enemies because of it, <laughs> right? And I'm still trying to be friends with them since then. <laughs> and this, I'm talking, this would be 10, 15 years ago. Mm, but, yeah. but I, mean,
1: the, the, I mean, I guess the position that you presented is a personal one. How much do you think that would be reflective of the general Australian public? In terms well, of I think the people just percent.
2: don't, you know, it's sort of like the bus is leaving, right? Mm. You know, the plane's leaving, the classes starting. So, I mean, I've got eight brothers and sisters. We have a monthly Zoom hookup, right? Yeah. Mm. The Zoom, eight? Yeah. Yes. Uh, wow. My, uh, so, uh, <laughs> so our, our Zoom hookup starting at nine o'clock on Sunday morning, right? Yeah. We're not waiting to see who turns up before we start, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah some true. might turn up for all sorts of reasons, right? Yeah. Uh, But uh, that's when it starts. My wife's got uh, six brothers and sisters all the way from Europe to Melbourne. Yeah. Their starts at 6 o'clock. And so, you know, people might not be able to come then, but everyone knows that's the regime, right? Yeah, yeah. I think other people will be less tolerant than me, lots Mm. of them. And, Mm. you know, if you're late, will that be an affront to them? So I don't think it's a good idea, you know? Yeah, true try and get into the regime, and, and we've all got phones now and when you can WhatsApp someone, text them, call them, whatever, say I've been held up, you know, I've got a sick kid, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, let yeah. them know what's going on, then they're fine. Mm-hmm. I guess it's,
0: it's the communication, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, I don't know about you, Daniel, but
1: from yeah. my from my perspective, I find myself constantly late and it gives me anxiety. So it's not like I'm kind of blase about being late, it actually in you know, it actually <laughs> induces burning, right? <laughs> anxiety in me. And I've found that in all my employment, um, not once has anyone ever asked me what's going on. It's usually been a case of you're supposed to be here at eight thirty, it's eight thirty five. Mm. And, you know, I know I'm late. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm a professional an adult. But for some reason Always, always, always. I actually had to change. I remember working at the RAC uh, 20 years ago now, mm. and I actually had to change my start time to accommodate
0: the fact that I was now going to be like, just, just a quick, do you think uh, on, on that point right there mm. that, that it, it stems from a stigma of from socially mm-hmm. being early at a function is mm-hmm. looked down upon? that now you want to be there just on time. No. For everything. No. I, I
1: think for me personally, there's mm. something about the anxiety mm-hmm. that stimulates something. I don't know. And I think, you know, probably could use some psychology work myself.
0: I'm <laughs> a <laughs> resident uh, counsellor. I, 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 yeah, I find true. that
1: even with assignments in uni, mm-hmm. I would wait till the last minute to do it. Mm. There was something about that pressure that. Because you, because if you. I leave uh, in half to, to be in a place in half an hour's time mm-hmm. and I'm anxious and I'm stressing but I get there on time, there's a huge sense of satisfaction. Just like if I hand in an assignment that I've done the night before mm-hmm. and I get a HD, it's so much more satisfying than if I'd started the assignment two, three weeks before. So you like the
2: pressure. Right? I like
1: the pressure. Well... well
2: my dear sister Mari, I mean she would say you're trying to do too much right yeah. but you could unconsciously like the pressure right the mm-hmm, mm-hmm, of that. Mm-hmm. I mean you have to manage yourself I've had to I know I'm going to try and do too much or mm-hmm. I'm just try and fit something else in. So I put things in the diary. Uh-huh. Uh, quite a few of my EAS have made sure they put travel time in so I'm leaving when I need to leave yeah uh, otherwise i'll leave to sort of screech into the car park and race into the meeting <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm here, right? yeah yeah yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's not efficient and it's it is disrespectful to the people you might have had 10 people who are standing around 10 minutes waiting for waiting you. for you yeah mm-hmm. that's not right yeah so, yeah so you can train you know put in your own little rules uh yeah. as to how you do that and you know change the entry in your diary i okay. think yeah it's
0: just a bit of time management I think I learned it over time. And I, for me, my biggest, the, the first time that I got this and I got it quite quickly was when I left uh, the government and I joined Serco and I was working on the Fiona Stanley Hospital project. So we were in a meeting. We were set to buy stuff for going into the hospital during the build. And all the other procurement managers and the the. the the start, the, the hierarchy, we're all looking at the, um, the schedule and thinking when we've got to buy this and then, you know, when we've got to start everything. And I thought that I had at least a week to kind of get myself organized and get things happening, action all my items, and then we can move for next week's meeting. As soon as I got to my desk, everybody else, I saw the emails flying. And they were actioning all the action items from the meeting we've just come from. I was like, well, Whoa. What is going on here? So I had yes, to that's
1: it, just showing off.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no. It's because everything piles up so quickly on a project that you have to kinda of get organized mm-hmm. quickly, otherwise you'll forget something. And you'll get fired if you if if your stuff gets too too red. Well, Should think you, think you get fired? Yeah. yeah. Why? Because it costs the company money. Why? Because it's a project and they're building stuff. So every, everything that we were buying had to get there so that the next phase can start. So if your stuff doesn't get there on time, then people are twiddling their thumbs. They can't get to the next part of the build. And it's going to, those guys, so it's, let's just say BHP, or no, what are they called? The Brookfield mm-hmm. were building. and. Their, their staff are waiting for this to be fitted so that they can build the other part. Now, if mm. that, that part's not there, they have to,
2: those guys are still going to get paid,
0: but the job's not getting done.
2: Yeah. If I'm waiting, if I'm chairing a meeting of 12 people, right, mm. and I'm 10 minutes late, I've probably just wasted two hours of time. Yeah. Right?
1: Should you get fired for that
2: well, I should get uh, at least once. I sh- I, the staff should make clear to me that I'm wasting their time. They've yeah. got stuff to do, right? That's true. And I, I mean, I think you, if you actually do an honest self audit, right, and say, well, are you late for everything? Mm-hmm. Well. If it's a sporting game, your favourite sport of soccer or a golf tee off or whatever, I bet your Daniel's never late for golf, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, probably not. There's a tee off time, yeah. and he should be on the tee ten minutes before. Yeah. He's not going to be late for that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. His girlfriend is he going to be late? Uh, probably. Probably not. for relations. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you can do it when it's a motivator for you. Right? Yeah. So why can't you do it for a meeting? I find, that, I find that
1: i find that i can't it's consistent across the board
2: you can't well, maybe there's no. an opportunity there for me daniel i could get into some time management coaching. yeah <laughs> i think <laughs> i think there is <laughs> i would take it i would take it i think I you would need to set up it. a spreadsheet for this guy. Yeah, 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 i'm not going to take on a, a, a Sudanese football team and try and get them to turn up <laughs> oh on time,
0: no. a waste of time oh yeah. i've done that when we played soccer and we were playing against uh, some of the other African teams, they always turned up late. And it was to the point where you're thinking, are we even going to get a game today? And then they turn up in their cars playing music. And, and not to mention, my team was full of Africans too, and we were late sometimes. But, you know, or certain players from the team were late. But it, it it's still it's a consistent theme across everything. Now, we're not saying this to put. Our people down. It's just that it works back home, but it doesn't work that much in this environment. So, what it means in this environment is -hmm. is disrespect for other people's time. Is it disrespect? So,
1: I want want to come back to a theme that we've kind of been talking throughout the different Mm -hmm. uh, series, episodes, sessions, whatever you want to call them. Uh, The theme around empathy. And which is why I was asking should you be fired? Or is there a place where you have that cross cultural conversation, that dialogical engagement, that tries to understand what's going on for you mm-hmm. rather than you're costing me money? Because immediately you talk about money and firing, all I'm hearing is that's more important than me.
2: Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an important conversation. And you mm-hmm. should, if someone's consistently late for meetings, someone, not necessarily the boss, should take my side and say what's going on mm. uh, in my experience often there is something going on usually there know? is uh, yeah so find out what it is and can you help them Or maybe it gives us some empathy and understanding for their circumstances mm. but often there won't be that conversation so mm. well, mm. Joe's consistently late mm. you know really he's not part of our team correct you know, that's he's making that judgment therefore we make the same judgment yeah. So I think you can you can change those things, um, but you know now I mean it could be a global Zoom hookup, you know, or Teams, mm, or mm, Skype, yeah, or whatever, mm. right? So not just a family one, a serious business one. Well, yeah. You know, people got out of bed. Uh, yeah, you know, they got up. Set at their, their alarm at two so, AM. NCAA so they could be there. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, still in their pyjamas, but with a nice shirt on. Good shirt really on. Up, <laughs> Good shirt on <up> the top. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, and and you're fifteen minutes late. You know, yeah, it doesn't work, right? Yeah, yeah
0: uh, that, that's true. And I think you know, there's 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 a thing. I think for the for the international community anyway, there's a there's a, a setting them up for what they're going to 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 encounter, and then there's a, a a discussion around what it should be, right? So mm. that is a yeah. best-case scenario. Everybody has a conversation around why you're late. It, my experience here, I've been here 18 years, that, that's never happened. Everybody makes an assumption that you're just poor at time management. And, mm. and you're disrespect. Yes, mm. and that, that sticks, right? Yeah. And then they move on to the next. So this is the environment that we're in. So we've got to figure out what it means for them, why it's important for them. As much, so we can't we can't expect them to empathise with us without us empathising and understanding why they do what they do. One hundred percent.
1: I think I think it goes both ways. Mm. Definitely. I want to ask you, Rob, a question around the differences between uh, Australia from a Western perspective versus the Eastern states. So. I grew up in Sydney, in the eastern states, and my experience over there was significantly different to what it is in WA. Um, the typical conversation I have in Perth will go something like this. Uh, someone meets me for the first time, so where are you from? I go, well, what do you mean? You know, where are you from? I go, well, uh, I'm from here, I'm Australian. Uh, no, but where are you really from?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, not sure what you mean. Where are your parents from? Okay, well, you know, dad kind of grew up in Scotland. Mom's from Zambia. Oh, so you're Zambian.
0: <laughs>
1: Is the typical kind of conversation yeah. that I have. So then I go, where are you from? Oh, no, no, I'm from here. No, but where are you really from? Here, <laughs> yeah, where are your what, parents What from? do you mean? <laughs> um, I was born here. My parents were born here. So if you go back... Before you were from here, <laughs> where are you actually from. Oh, I guess there's some Irish, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh, so you're Irish? <laughs> no, I'm Australian. <laughs> so that that's always confused me because in Sydney there was kind of this understanding that unless you're indigenous, you've all come from somewhere. And there was kind of this collective idea, and there was this sense of solidarity with, you know, the Yugoslavs. The Chinese,
2: mm.
1: you know, the Lebanese, the Greeks, the Italians—we all kind of melted together well because we had that kind of common understanding, which is very different in WA.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think that's right. Uh, I mean, Australia's one of the world's great uh, multicultural communities, mm. uh, but our cities are quite different. Mm. Uh, uh, Perth and Sydney actually have got about the same percentage of. Um, of migrants, first generation and second generation migrants. Okay. But the makeup and the look mm. of the cities is really different. Yeah. And yeah. Melbourne has actually got slightly lower percentages, but it really looks like a migrant very city. Very cosmopolitan. It mm. yeah. doesn't so much look like a migrant city because very clearly, number one diaspora here are British. Uh, and then there's a whole lot of mm. other Europeans. Number mm. two are New Zealanders. Uh, mm. Number three was South Africans, now Indians. So it yep. depending where you go in Perth, you can mm. you know can look a bit like Melbourne, yep. but mostly in Perth, you know, it looks like me, and I'm a I'm a fifth generation uh, of Polish and Irish um, history, mostly mm. um, on the Polish side. I mean, they were religious refugees in 1835. You know, yeah. So in a sense, right. I've got some empathy with. Local refugees, but really, I'm not going to try and play that card, right? Yeah. Mm. My wife grew up in Melbourne you know, sixty years ago. She there were two kids in her class of over thirty kids who were uh, Australian born, mm. but they were mostly European nationalities. Yeah. same right? as me. So there's yeah. a history there, right? Mm. Which I think is longer and it's more multicultural earlier. Right. Uh, so yeah, you know, since I was a kid, we've known you know Melbourne was the biggest Greek city uh, you know, outside of uh, outside of Greece, sort of thing. Mm, so yeah, I, yeah. there is that here, but I mean I like to go with it. I, mean, I ask a lot of those questions too because mm-hmm. I'm really interested in yep. people's history, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. I think it's great to ask the question back, right? yep. but not yeah. in a sort of, uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> it's it's like. <laughs> You know, <coughs> Yeah, should no, you, yeah, should yeah. you be here? Am I more? Also <laughs> yeah, here? exactly. Um, but exactly. wow, look at yeah. this. You know, I've got the kaleidoscope. You know, there's mm. a nation of a city of Searling here, which is about helping skilled migrants. Called mm. a kaleidoscope, right? Wow, this rich tapestry that is mm. Australia. Many different nationalities, yeah. histories, mm. colours, cultures, etc. I think that's fantastic. We yeah. should try and lift that up. Yeah. yeah. But so often. It's like, you know, what's that guy here? I mean he's got dark yeah. skin. It's a cricket match, is he Indian or is he West Indian? Well yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. He's Aussie, you know, he's player yeah. yeah. or might even be third generation mm. right? Aussie. Yeah. So yeah, there's still there's still too much of that. Um, yeah.
0: I, f- I find on, on that on that point, I mean, just just moving to, to to a Western Australian experience, that a lot of people here that are migrants feel like they need to forget where they're from and become Australian and and roll with that, which... (sighs) So, I mean,
1: I guess that leads to another question, which is what is an Australian? How do you identify what an Australian is?
0: I think Ron can tell us that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really simple
2: answer. Yeah. Uh, Look, I... I think there are some really important questions, I and mean, we're still a very young country. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. uh, an American uh, uh, lady told me just recently, well, after all the riots and etc., you know, Rob, we're actually a very young country. Mm-hmm. You know? We're still maturing, still right? figuring stuff out." Well, and and Australia is absolutely like that. You know, we're mm-hmm. a teenager in a sense as a country, right? So okay, but those that are living here now are living here now. So mm-hmm. uh, so it's up to us. Um, I mean, I think the quintessential sort of description, you know, the crocodile Dundee image, Mm. there's still a lot of people who want that. In Perth, you get that a lot. You know, every second vehicle's a four-wheel drive. Everyone would love to be out in the outback. Most of them never make it. Yeah, Yeah. I'm a farm boy. (laughs) You know, I grew up in the country. I spent a lot of time there, lots of places I haven't been. So I'm sort of close to that. But really, the average Perth person, you know, they're they're a first or second generation migrant. You know? I
0: love Paul Hogan, by the way. He was yeah, well, he was right? He was awesome. And he was I reckon every English migrant, you know,
2: every migrant, and every international student should find some. You know, should watch half a dozen or ten yeah. Aussie movies and That's really true. just get a sense of it, including the sense of humour. Right? Mm. Uh,
0: See, I I watched it a long time ago when I was a kid. We watched um, the Paul Hogan show, and then when he came out with the movies, the Crocodile Dundee movies, we watched them. But we also watched Skippy. Yeah. And Skippy was the, the smartest yeah. kangaroo I've ever seen in my life. This guy would make phone calls and save people and do all this <laughs> stuff. Right? Yeah. And it, it was very confronting for me when I came here and I walked into Coles and I saw kangaroo meat in the, uh, in the freezers. It's good protein. I thought, who the hell would eat Skippy? Yeah. I couldn't, I, I, I felt like a kangaroo was a pet before I knew it was
2: semi-pest over here.
0: But, yeah, yeah it's a it's a lot of but, different. I mean, a lot of people
2: talk, to, you know, describe it as a country of a fair go. Well, mm. mm-hmm. well, it is fair, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy, right? No. So it's nah. fair go, because we're all having a fair go. Yeah. Actually, we're having a fair crack, right? Having a fair crack, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I mean, it. everyone's coming here, you know, like, mostly they're, they're first, second, most third generation migrants. So they're still building you know, their family and their heritage and their wealth and their communities mm. and, and all of that. And and there's just amazing community development going on. You yeah. know? And, uh, you know, the, the old guys now you know, who are in their 80s who actually built these communities and the sports pavilions and all that sort of stuff, they're all still there, right? Mm. So everyone's pushing forward and upwards. Right? Mm. So they're going to give you a fair go, Yeah. but they're too busy with their own fair go uh, to really... Spend a lot of time with you, so, Yeah. So I think you know I encourage everyone to, well, keep their identity. I mean, don't lose that. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you're a Persian or whatever, do we want to wipe that out? No, we don't want to wipe that out. Yeah. But but you can be Aussie at the same time, right? That, I think, and yes, ask, right? So. You know, a lot of people are very hesitant, and I understand that, and mm-hmm. there's still quite a big gap in lots of areas between First Nations people and the rest of Australia, right, just actually starting a conversation, asking about the other person. Mm. So, mm. you know, in a, in a really engaging <coughs> way, like, like, where are you from? Wow, mm. you, know, well, you get where some interesting really questions. <laughs> <laughs> you. where are you really from? Wow, well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just getting my DNA tested. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I want to find out where I'm really from, Yeah. know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Back in my Polish history, maybe the Vikings came in there. Who knows? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but understand that and be able to have conversations about that. Ask people, you know, Australia Day, what does that mean for you? Yeah. Uh, how do you celebrate? Mm. Like, Easter's coming
1: we? Do we want to go there? Do we want to talk about this?
2: Well, I do done. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. in my experience with mean, migrants they're pretty cool people they you know they've been in lots of different situations they can sense it right yeah, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Know, they're unlikely to ask absolutely the wrong question to the wrong person yeah right?
0: i think but they won't they won't ask about australia day because a lot of a lot of african countries were colonized at one point they, they've been liberated since then so it, it's it that is that stands the difference between australia now and african countries back then so But there's also, when I was talking about identity and how to... So it's it's basically a fine balance between um, succeeding in Australia without losing your identity. If you arrive in Australia with an inferiority complex, right? So if you're coming here thinking everybody here is better than me, and then all of a sudden what you're doing doesn't seem like it's good enough, you start to feel like I need to change and become this for me to fit into this society,
1: as in, I need to be on time, and I'm like, no, I don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do.
1: <laughs> this is my identity. I'm sticking to it. Damn nah, it, I'm nah. gonna be late.
0: Yeah, but yeah. take it or leave it. That's playing basketball with soccer rules, right?
1: So
2: you you that's, can't do that.
1: That's Australia. <laughs> uh,
2: it's a, a melting that. point. A it's a that, melting
1: right? pot of culture.
2: There's right? only 25 million of us, right? There's not very many. Mm. But, yeah. but someone like you has already done this, right? yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. don't come here, you know, fearful, uh, apprehensive, mm. right? Mm. Just get in. I mean, that's, that's, I think, what Aussie is about. You just, and certainly my life, mm. you know, half of it in the country, right? Mm. You just get in. You know, I know yeah. so many people, they had no idea how to play a sport. Uh, yeah, true. Sure. But, but they a had crack, a go because right? of the social connection, and they were dragged in, and they were taught the basics. Right? Yeah. It didn't mean anyone like avoided them; didn't give them a hip and shoulder on the footy field, mm. right? But they actually got to play. And, yeah. And so many other things they get invited, but people are not going to keep inviting them if they turn up late, or if, <laughs> probably, or, yeah. or if they don't engage at all. Right? Yeah. And so, I mean, I think it is a two-way street, but But really people will give people a go and, Mm. um, you know, there's always someone in the crowd, right? Mm. Mostly I go to white social functions, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, But there are always people there who are very empathetic. I don't know what's going on in their life. They might spend their entire career might be helping Indigenous people or other people. So just start a conversation with people who look like the body language is good. Mm. And -hmm. you're going to learn so much. And who knows, you might get an invitation to go and do something really Aussie, go out in a big bit of floating fiberglass and go to Rockness for the day. <laughs> yeah, that's sure. you know, There's yeah. all sorts of things. Head
0: off to Rotto. Yeah. yeah. Check out now, the uh, I also wanted to ask you uh, around political correctness. Now, and this is just it's a little bit in general, but for, for where we come from and as part of what we identify with is being told... Being told off, being told the truth about absolutely everything at every stage of your life. You know, if you're not good enough at something, they tell you you're not good enough. If you're heavier, they tell you you're getting heavier. If you're skinny, they tell you you're getting skinny. You got a flat bum. Yeah, (laughs) which gave him, which traumatized him for a few years. Oh, yeah. But, But, um, and I find here in Australia, that you there is a, a political correctness that you can't be that way so for from a person who that is part of their identity to be absolutely honest about things that they don't that are in this environment sensitive i'd like to find out from you how how that started and why that is a, a part of the society if you if you if you know
2: I might be the wrong person because I'm the least political correct person <laughs> that I probably know. You know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a carefulness. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, in part, if you go back, it's to, if not different cultures, actually meeting new people. So I think you do see it more in women, but maybe yeah. it's just express more. Like, you're not going to tell somebody you don't like their dress or they shouldn't be wearing you know, a dress or, yeah. wow, you've got big since I last saw you or whatever. I mean, yeah, you might yeah. have two kids in that time, you know. Who knows? Um, uh, you see it, I think, in workplaces, you know, and, and at the pub. You know, people talk themselves up, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, really, is that person genuine or not? Are they mm-hmm. that good, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was telling Daniel, I mentor someone is in a workplace, right, and they're, uh, they're foreign-born and their culture absolutely is not to embellish things. Just tell it as it is. Mm-hmm. They have a little stand-up team meeting every day and and the local Aussie you know, guys and ladies you know they're pumping everything up wow this organization must be fantastic mm. little yeah so, yeah 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 so you get that and you get parents do it with their kids um, you know I see in that a lot they do it with their grandkids yeah, like yeah, everything's wonderful right? he's so, awesome and he does so things, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's lifting up now It's pride in yourself and in your children and all that sort of stuff, but it's also a competition, right? Mm. But no one will admit to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I think you see a lot of things. People... You know, Daniel and I both play golf, right? Mm. Really, do I compete with Daniel? No, my biggest problem is competing with myself. Right. right? Mm. But it's going to look like I'm competing. I'm with trying Daniel. to punish
0: you every time. We play golf. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just...
2: But he's much better than me, and he's on a much tougher handicap. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that all evens out. But so people trying to really make the best for themselves mm. can look really competitive, mm. uh, lifting their own kids up and promoting them can look like really they're only doing it to compete with you but really they're trying to motivate their kids etc so it becomes really becomes a bit of a herd and wow can i keep up with this well do your own thing in your own way you'll find other people who are just like you or enough like you to really be able to fit in Uh,
0: yeah because i
1: I do think also like i was saying before wa I think maybe that's a WA thing as well because in Sydney, I tell you, everyone told everyone exactly how they thought. Really? Exactly what they thought in high school. We we just said it like it was. Yeah, yeah. And so coming to WA and meeting other people from Africa, I find we have very different experience because they talk about, for example, what you're describing. Yeah. I go, that's so not my experience at all. Yeah,
0: see, I've, in Australia, I've only lived here. And I've mm. only experienced that here. Yeah. Because it's it's a situation where here, I mean, even if you join a sporting team, as long as you pay, you play. That was not my, you know, I stopped playing soccer when I was a kid because they never picked me, you know. <laughs> so it's it's something that, you know, you grow up with. Over there, they pick only who's good and they don't make a... You know, they don't make any excuses and they, they're not feeling sorry for it. Go and practice and come back. So it's, yeah. it's, it's that way. But when I got here, that's the situation. You know, you have um, up to seventh place gets a medal and, you know, all these participation trophies and that. and, that, and that, it's, it's awesome. But I don't know how to celebrate seventh yeah. place.
1: I think also there's there's been a a shift psychologically where I think Mm. we're a lot more aware of some of the psychological impacts of certain things. So I'm talking about (coughs) high school back in the early, you know, late 80s, early 90s, Mm. Uh, we're talking now, you know.
0: How old even are you? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I I,
1: I just said that too. I give credibility to what I'm about to say. (laughs) No, that's good. But I I definitely feel like there's there's a shift. Uh, People are starting to be more aware of the impact on people psychologically, and so they're being more careful. Also, with the age of the internet, there's a global Mm -hmm. village, and so we're now starting to be a lot more aware of each other globally. Mm. And so a lot of things that may be happening in America, we immediately adopt in Australia in terms of, you can't say black, you can't say this, you can't say that. Yeah. And you know sometimes I feel like it takes away from some authenticity and engagement because you've got to think about what to say beforehand and you've got to you know, be really particular and careful. Um, sometimes almost to the point of, can I really be bothered? Yeah, yeah, and that's a an issue. But, mm.
2: but I think a great feature of Australia and, and certainly in Perth and absolutely in the country where I've spent a lot of time is participation. Right? Mm. And sport mm. is a huge thing, right? And so whether you're good or not, I mean, you participate. Mm. You know, and you want to get everyone there. That means that you don't just have the A grade. If you've got enough kids to mm. play the B grade. And the waffle. Uh, yeah, or the yeah. C grade. I mean, I, yeah. I coached the C grade under 15 boys hockey team once. Wow. You know, yeah. in, in a sense, it was a nightmare for me. <laughs> I mean, these kids had too much sugar, not enough sugar, should have been on uh, attention deficit. Medicine. ADHD. <laughs> yeah, they were different abilities, they were different yeah. stages of their development, rather. Yeah. You know, mm. But it was really important to, for me as a coach to try and find a way for all of those kids. The strong ones to actually feel that they were part of the team the weak ones to actually feel they're part of the team and mm. i think there's a lot of that in society you go but, to groups they will try and draw people in whatever it is they've got to contribute mm. and and so you get the certificates you know yeah. participating is good Trying's fun skills mm. will come you know it's that sort of message
0: oh, okay mm. but i think you know what i think because i've coached kids as well and i think it it frustrates the kids that play well and then it it kind of the submission for them is that they sometimes they don't even want to play the sport anymore or they just learn to not work hard it's just and while it's lifting the other kids in participation the ones that are fully want to to excel it's, it kind of stifles their growth because they're not playing with other yeah, yeah. kids that are... And I, I don't see in society where that actually benefits anyone. Yeah. I, I mean, because I get, there's I never that. going to be a time when you're going to, pay, to be paid to participate.
2: Yeah, no, I get As that, a grown but, up. but parents, the market sort of works. It's a bit clumsy and it's often unseen, right? Mm, so mm, parents, mm. if they've got a really talented kid and there's really never going to be a talented team yeah you know, they might move right or people will try and boost the number of kids playing so you can get two teams rather than mm-hmm. you know a very mixed team you get all of that if you're lucky if you live in a little country town like you play with what you've got mm-hmm. or you, you find yeah. money you pay young guys to drive out from perth to play in the footy team yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. or you know you've got a 50 year old and a 15 year old both playing in the footy team you, know, you have <laughs> to do all those things right? Yeah. But keeping that team and the social elements around it alive is really mm-hmm. critical. Mm-hmm. So I think, I and mean, there are so many opportunities, I mean, for really talented kids, you know, go and do different things. And now, I mean, in a wealthy society, there's lots of... Parents pay for their kids to go and get exercise and mm-hmm. play and things. So yeah. I, I think there are lots of options uh, and people should be encouraged to explore uh, explore them. But Yeah, should we, like when I grew up, I mean, you passed or you failed, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, No participation certificates. Yeah. Was that a good thing? Well, it probably was then, but I mean, that's 40 years ago, 50 years ago. I think, too,
1: there's a huge opportunity to start teaching kids the value of, you know, what you're talking about in terms of team and in terms of collaboration and getting together as, you know, and having empathy for those that are not as good as. So I think it's an opportunity to get away from this attitude of just winning is everything and starting to you know, impart other kind of values
0: as a coach, as a, yeah, s- a person working with you society dictates that winning is everything. We can change that. Well, ultimately. We can change that. One, say, you, one know. you know, because even when you go for an interview, they pick one person or the, the best one from that. They're not picking everybody that turned up to the interviews and giving them a, a participation medal. If you get a job, mm. if you're not the best and there's a downturn, they, they let go of the ones that are underperforming. So it's, it's society is mm. telling us that the cream of the crop, are uh, who's valuable, everybody else is playing the supporting role. So are we, and, and there's no kid that is, is not good at something. Mm. I feel like everybody should be pushed towards what they're good at, and then anything else must be social and not competitive.
1: Mm. So, yeah, I, when you talk about society dictates, mm. it, it almost feels like we're subject to someone else's kind of influence as opposed to having this mutual influence ability. So, I think. Society affects us, but we also have the opportunity to feed back and impact society and make changes where there's things that can change. Um, so I'm very much about advocacy.
0: No, I'm good. I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here because we're here and when you are a migrant, mm. you're not going to get picked for participating, yeah. right, for no. anything. I, I, think I think the, the whole different. job
1: interview process is a bit warped. Uh, and there's room for improvement in that whole process as well Mm -hmm. but uh, that's probably a different podcast
2: (laughs) but i mean it's a tough gig it's a competitive world right whether you like it or not there's some competition there Mm -hmm. you know we're not a socialist society and someone has to Mm -hmm. do the work someone has to do the hard work someone has to do the really clever work Mm etc i mean what i say increasingly i think to the migrants that i mentor is really be the best person you can be yeah. Uh, with your skills and knowledge, etc. Mm. you know, that's enough, right? You don't have to worry about whether you're competing with someone else or whatever. If you're the best you can be, uh, and particularly if you spend a little bit of time working out, well, where really, what rocks my boat, where am I going to be the best person mm. and the best employee I can be, mm. then you give yourself the best shot, right? Um, mm. And if you're also, if you're playing sport, if you can mm. focus on being the best team member you can be, yeah. Um, which might not mean you have to be the extrovert, you know. No. There are always things for team members. Or if you're the member of a society or, you know, a club or a church or whatever it is, if you can be the best team member you can be and the best person you can be, what else is there, right? Mm. Someone's got to peel the oranges. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, Someone's, Someone's got to pick up the orange peels after <laughs> the <laughs> <morning>. <laughs> exactly. There's yeah, true. a job for There's a job yeah, for yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, Absolutely. And I think everyone can find their place. Mm. Uh, mm. So uh, I'm a true believer also in that people will excel in something they love, right? Yeah. A lot of yeah. people are lucky enough to find that early on in their life and, mm-hmm. you know, their life has been a passion of doing something, right? Mm. Um, so, but others, it take a little while to find that. They're late developers or it just didn't click for them. Yeah. You know, get a mentor, get a coach, talk to your friends, talk to your family, actually try and work that out. Because you've got a clean slate, in a sense, here in Australia. Sure. Uh, and really be successful at something. And I see this a lot, in you know. Mm. Just friends I've uh, chatted to yesterday, you know. Yeah. They've both got kids who are doing something they never imagined their children doing, mm. right? Mm. Uh, and they've been really successful at it. What's mm, wrong yeah. with that? Absolutely you know? nothing.
0: Mm. I think, you know, for, for, for a lot of times, even for me coming from zambia i don't don't, there's not a lot of focus in sport in zambia as a as a kid for you to it's more education Mm -hmm. so you've got to you've got to study pass get a job that's the life it's not you know playing sport and doing that Mm -hmm. you do that anyway as kids because at lunchtime you play soccer or in your pastime you're you're not supposed to be in the house go and play football with your friends or go and do that but it's not it's not viewed as uh, potential a potential career. Yeah, potential career or a life skill. Mm-hmm. It's yes. just occupies your time when, when not, you're not studying. When you're not studying. Yeah, and that's it.
2: Sure. But I mean, when I was a kid, and I think it's still true today, uh, I mean, children who are involved in a range of different things and children who are busy. So mm. they're studying, they might be musical, they're in the chess club, they're mm. playing sport or whatever they are learning so many life skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in my world, you know, people, you see someone's CV and they've been in a whole series of club uh, club roles, they've been president or they've been captain of the footy team or they've been the golf champion. Right? Yeah. These all mean things about that person. Mm-hmm. So these are there are sort of little tests, unwritten tests, that it's really good if you can tick them off. Uh, they're, they're, you know, learning to swim, right, mm. you know, it's a really good thing, right? Yeah, I oh, love it. I'm a hopeless swimmer, right? But actually, it's almost a, you know, it's a little badge you have on your yeah. shoulder, like yeah. I can swim. Um, yeah, yeah. And, oh, I thought I yeah. could swim
0: until I saw my son swim. Yeah, and then <laughs> it was game over. He on. wasn't doing, just doing the doggy paddle. <laughs> no,
2: he was flowing majestically through the yeah. water. <laughs> well, reverse mentoring is a good thing. The young teaching the old. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I was like, nah. So now they ask me to go in there and swim. I'm like, yeah, now I'm good. <laughs>
2: So, so I think people can find their own way. Mm-hmm. What they what they need is a self belief. Yeah. You know, I do quite a lot of mentoring of skilled migrants and some others. and yeah. The first thing that I do, and I stick with it until I think that they've got it, is relearn their self belief mm. uh, and the talents they've got. And if they've done this, that probably means they're going to be able to do something else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because then they then they can be Aussie because. One thing Aussies have generally got more of, or at least it's perceived that way, is self-belief. Yeah,
0: and I, I'll, I'll speak for, it. for a lot of migrants coming to Australia, and a lot of students. They come here well accomplished in that. They've gone through an ex- extensive schooling where it's it's all about grades, 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 and and, and a lot of them have got jobs they've got some high power jobs over there when they come here they're ready they come here ready to take over the world but they still have a little bit of an inferiority complex now when they get here and then things don't go the way they thought they were going to go it reinforces that complex and then it just brings everything to a halt mm-hmm. and they they don't engage much with society they go back into their their communities and people that had come in and had a difficult time before them reinforce that message to them that it's a difficult place to get by, there's racism here, there's all kinds of stuff. Not taking enough time to learn what they should learn in order for them to excel. So I'm saying this to ask you, Rob, if you could give us a few points on what they can focus on when they get here to make sure that they succeed. Yeah, another way of
1: asking that question, because I was going to, mm-hmm. because we're running out of time, I was going to ask this question, which links perfectly into that yeah. point you make, is what does success look like for a migrant that comes here? Because I think then that links our conversation on success, yeah. but also it speaks to identity, because it sounds like there's you know, a loss of identity mm. um, in that as well. For sure. Um, because, yeah, you go from... Working overseas, you are your manager and you come over here, and all of a sudden you're cleaning toilets or you're yeah. doing these kind of yeah. more laborious kind of jobs. Right?
2: Well, I think success has probably got as many variations as there are, as there are migrants, but it's mm. got to be their personal success. Um, I mean, I tell a lot of people. That, uh, what is success in Australia? Well, I think it's being, it's a personal thing, right? Yeah. I mean, there is success, yeah, you've got a big house on the coast or, you know, a big four-wheel drive and a holiday house, and, you know, there's all those sorts of things, but that's yeah. the case everywhere, right? And I haven't got most of those things, but I'm happy with my success, I think right? you've got a few things, really. Yeah, and, and I started as a little country, you know, kid. I went to a country school, you know. I didn't go to one of the top schools in Perth, and that was a big thing, right? Yeah, yeah. In mm-hmm. some parts of Perth, that's still a big thing, right? Right? Yeah, so yeah. there are all these rules and there are rules everywhere, right? But I mean, I tell people, probably more migrant women than men, you know, have a conversation with a person in your mirror, you know, shut the bathroom door, tell that person how much you believe in them and how clever they are and how courageous they are and how courageous they're going to be, Yeah, right? I think you do have, you have to build that self-confidence and the people around you who know you and love you have to help you with that. Yeah, you true. do need to be courageous, but that's life. And I don't think that matters where you are. You have to mm, be courageous. Mm, mm. What do you want here? You know, this is mm. a land. It is a land of opportunity. People can create dreams here. They can be something different. They can yeah. be incredibly successful. Right? Mm-hmm. You look at the people in the iron ore industry. I mean, they're, oh. no, they're, they're incredibly successful professionally, yeah. financially, probably personally because of that. That mm-hmm. their parents and grandparents wouldn't have dreamed it was possible. Yeah. So you know you get those opportunities, grab them, be courageous, mm-hmm. be stubborn, be determined right? mm-hmm. and don't yeah. give up. Yeah. If you give up because you have some stigma, or lack of confidence, mm-hmm. you don't think you're good enough, this is Aussie, they're against me that's what everyone tells me, you know, I think you can go a lot of places in the world and it's going to be just tougher and tougher Yeah. 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 and one thing yeah. we don't, you know, Australia has been incredibly lucky but incredibly clever as well you know with COVID I mean it is an issue here for us but it's not you know it's not super damaging to our society so there are yeah. opportunities here every day grab yeah. them and, and ask questions find people that can help you um, reach out yeah. my experience is that most migrants do not ask very many questions because of their lack of confidence ask people Ask yeah. them in a way that helps them feel like they're being helpful.
0: Yeah, yeah true. And I think there's, a, there's also an element of difference in, in societal culture in that if you're, for instance, if you went to Zambia, Rob, anybody you met when you were there feels like they're representing a the country and they will bend over backwards to help you yeah. without you asking. They'll yeah. constantly... Mm-hmm try and assist you with anything. They'll treat you like royalty, really. Uh, and, the, and when they come here, it's the reverse effect. Nobody here will help you unless you ask. Uh, nobody will engage with you unless you engage with them. Uh, so for them, it's very confronting. And if they don't know that's coming, it's always a reason for them to just get into their comfort zone and stick into their, their, their community yeah. groups. Yeah, and I think that's
2: a fair observation. Mm. Uh, but I'd say it's not that different from what it is for white Aussies, you know. Mm. No one's sort of asking me, you know, am I okay, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but I, that's a rule I understand. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but if I don't understand that rule, it's mm. going to be really confronting.
0: Yeah. So um, I, I guess that's the key point in that. It's, it's not only happening to migrants, it happens to the locals mm. as well. Mm. Yeah. And that's why they've adapted to... to uh,
2: So I would say, you know, to every individual, I mean, create the person, you know, be the person you want to be. Mm. Create to the extent it's possible for you the life you want to have, the community you want to live in, Mm. and you'll be another contributor to the country that we will become.
0: Yeah, true. Everyone
2: makes that contribution.
0: Yes. So it's about setting your own personal goal then.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and being very focused about that in your own way. And, and it's going to – I mean, everyone is different. And keep it and, time. And keeping time. <laughs> you know. Set yourself a time target. Yeah. Right? You know, by the time I'm 35, I'm going to, by the time I'm 40, yeah, by the time yeah. my children are 10, I'm going to have these goals. Right? Yeah. And really work towards those. And you can keep that quite private. Right? yeah true what do I need to do who do I need to engage mm-hmm. and that's the sort of thing I'm mentor in most school migrants on you know have some form of plan yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they mostly don't want to set time frames right? but yeah. if you don't well you know, I've, yeah.
1: I've, I find that that resonates so much with my own story because I had to go through so many hoops to finally get citizenship including having to do an Ielts exam despite having done my education here, having done three degrees here in Australia in English, uh, but there's just certain red tape that you just can't get over. Mm. And if you don't have that attitude, it's easy to just kind of do exactly what you're saying, Daniel, and just give up. Mm.
2: Yeah. It's a barrier, or this is just something, some red tape I've got to get through, I've got to get through. Mm. Because what I want is on the other side. It's on the other side. Absolutely. You know, it's like doing
0: a driving test. It doesn't matter whether you fail today, you still got to go back, do it again, do it. Even if you do it seven times, eventually you'll get it. And that's what is important.
2: Yeah, never lose sight of your goals. You mm. um, mm. came to why did you come to Australia? I came because I love the freedom, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. why am I going to give up? Don't give up. Yeah, true. Don't get caught in the migrant trap. You know, okay, the first job, yes, I got used to the meager salary, it's not where I want to be. Doesn't recognise my profession, but actually I then get into that. I'm stable. I can get I a house. A, I create a base for my yeah. children to be successful. Mm-hmm. Well, do what you have to do to keep, you know, get some money coming in, yeah. etc. But never lose sight of you as a person, your your culture, your qualifications, what you can contribute, what you want to be. Yeah, you know? yeah. Now that's easy for me to say, mm-hmm. but it's probably the way I've lived my life as well. And most of the people I know have been successful. That's
1: the way they've lived their lives. Yeah. I and just to finish off, I'm going to say, uh, we, Rob, we've been, in each episode, we try to come up with some business ideas, and I think I've just come up with another one for... Uh oh, damn.
0: <laughs> Let's go. So, <laughs> it's going to be a know, conglomerate.
1: By if the end of if you go through the red tape and all else fails, mm-hmm. I, I think we could potentially start up a uh, marriage for Visa business.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: All of them marrying Rob? <laughs> I'm sure we can find some suitable candidates, but... Uh...
0: Rob, we've turned you
2: into a polygamist here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, We <laughs> also... Uh, Margaret's not going to be very happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> 42 years of
0: candidate. Uh, uh, I, think, I think you're doing okay. You um, but, uh, yeah, I think take this opportunity to thank you, Rob, uh, mm. in uh, providing your level of expertise and, and, uh, and all the information you've provided by community. I think you've, um, you've brought some good perspective on it and uh, hopefully it impacts somebody that's listening in, in a positive way and, uh, and hopefully I'm sure we'll get some people calling in or texting uh, saying, you know, they want you to, to mentor them as well. So we'll send them your way. We'll marry them for the visa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Probably go consider the mentor. <laughs> but, I mean, I, what I'd say, I mean, do I do mentor, I love it, right? Yeah. So I get the opportunity sometimes for really not much effort to potentially change someone's life. Yeah. And the whole family's life, right? How rewarding mm-hmm. is that? Yeah, it's I, amazing. But the person who can most change their life it's looks at them every day in the mirror. Yeah. It's that person and they've just got to do the things them, they need to do. Yeah. talk to them, coach them Yeah. And, and and goal set with them and get a bit of help if you can get it.
0: Yeah, true.
1: Sure. It's been really good from my perspective to meet you and hear a bit about you and I love everything you've said. I, it sounds like you're a very empathic man um, and I think one of the things that struck me is just understanding that there's so many different people in Australia and it's Really hard to not narrow down or nut down what's an Australian perspective. Yeah, I sure. think is is one of my takeaways. Is yeah. you know you people like Rob. Uh, who are really empathic. You have other people that may not be so much. You've got differences oh, between WA I've had, and... I've
0: had guys ask me if I like it in Australia, and I say, yeah, but it gets too hot in summer, and they ask me directly, what are you doing here then? Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Like,
0: Whoa yeah. bro? So why, <laughs> so why are you here then? <laughs> Yeah, We're going to have my
2: brothers here. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, there'll be six of us, right? Yeah. and They're not peas in a pod, right? Yeah, exactly. There's exactly. Exactly.
0: So, exactly. So, a wide spectrum, but we, we're lucky enough to have one of the best ones. Yes. Uh, a very well accomplished man here in Australia, and uh, well, thanks again, Rob. My
2: uh, pleasure, and good
0: luck to everyone who's listening. Yeah.
2: Well, Cheers, Rob. On Cheers. that
0: note, see ya. See you episode five, which will be about toxic masculinity.
1: Might even add in femininity and get in a
0: female guest. No, yeah, we definitely have a female guest coming. Peace out. All right. See ya.